Question. What does frictionless investing at the intersection of payments look like? Well, it looks like the future. And on today's episode, the 2D speak with Johann Hellman, the co-founder of ETFmatic, and Fabian Moore of Germany's Unit Plus to discuss how they've teamed up to make a much-anticipated future a reality. Here on Dave and Darm Demystified. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify Show. Dave. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dar Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to today's show. And today we've got two guests joining us. We have Johan Hellman from ETF Matic and Fabian Moore from Unit Plus. So welcome, gentlemen, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as a starting point, it'd be great to get an introduction to yourselves and the companies that you represent. Yeah, and do you want to go first? Sure, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder of ETFmatic. We were an uh, independent company up until the acquisition by ION last year. I continue to head up the business within ION. Our focus is really providing an investment as a service platform for anyone who wants to provide investment services within their overall offering. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Fabian, tell us a bit about Unit Plus and yourself. Johan, thanks. Unit Plus, a co-founded in Berlin roughly two years ago with really the mission to help every person, not only in Germany, we are a German-based company, but easily invest in a frictionless way without losing the flexibility to pay whenever you like with your ETF portfolio, actually. So Unit Plus is in the intersection of investment and payment by making what we call unused money on bank accounts productive in uh, smartly built ETF portfolios until those money can be used worldwide and actually for free for payment transactions at the point of sale, online, offline, wherever, whenever you like to. So a big hedge against the inflation. That's actually what we are building up here and in a great partnership with ETF Matic and Ion Bank. And that's where we step in. Fantastic. Wow. So in terms of how Unit Plus and ETF Matic are working, can you explain a bit more about that and how the collaboration started and came around? Yeah, I can start so because Unit Plus is using a lot of payment infrastructure, but also investment infrastructure. And we had to build up in mutual interest a lot by ourselves. But when we started to look for a so-called banking as a service provider for our payment capabilities, we were quite fast introduced by MasterCard to Ion Bank. And actually, that was also the time when Ion Bank was acquiring ETF Matic. And since we were also looking for a partner on the investment side to make ETF also in terms of selling them frictionally 
easily happen. Iron Bank introduced us to ETF metric and we thought and we still believe that having everything under one roof Iron Bank can offer was very, very much fostering our innovation and helping us coming by speed to the German market. We are now live for a few weeks. So that's how we actually got introduced to Johan and his team in terms of the investment capabilities. Is it actually like three products that you're using? You're using the core banking as a service, you're using payments as a service, and then the investment as a service as well, right? That's spot on. And actually, we are also using open banking functionalities to really help people invest what we call in a personalized saving plan that is on a monthly basis adapting to the individual needs of the end customer because you know it as well. Sometimes you spend more than you earn. Sometimes you get a promotion maybe. So due to open banking, we can help people actually invest in an optimal way. So we are using, let's call it a really a bunch of new technology that came to the market the last years to form. And that's a good part about Unit Plus. It is as easy as it can be, even so that in the technical back end, there's a lot happening to make this compelling offering really work for the end customer. I'm going to have to revise what I've told my kids over the last couple of weekends. We've been talking about money and we've been talking about, well, how do you get access? And they were like, well, you know, you can't touch your pension, but you can touch your investments, but it takes a little bit of time to get that money out. But that's actually the problem that you've just solved. So it's kind of like a whole new category. Why hasn't this been done before? I mean, the fact that you've done it, what's made it possible for you and why hasn't somebody done this before? Yeah, that's a good question. We get asked actually quite often. And I like this question because if a solution sounds straightforward, there's a market for it, I would say, right? And that's definitely what we are hitting here. At one point, we like to really become a substitution to the overnight deposit accounts. And in Europe alone, you have over 4.5 trillion euros laying in overnight deposit accounts with almost no interest. But obviously, people like the flexibility that an overnight deposit account can provide. And here, Unit Plus really like to become the substitution of these products, even so with a long-term horizon. So you can, you don't have to, but you can whenever you like to tap into your ETF portfolio for payments. And it is a really easy and frictionless solution where we really like to also gain 70% of the European population that never started before to invest due to different frictions, due to these unflexible, unconvenient kind of services. And with the technology also Johan built up over the last years within ETF Matic and Iron Bank, it is nowadays in general easier to build up new solutions, I would say, even so that ours is really highly customized and not really a plug and play solution. Yeah, and I think that's exactly true. Part of this is old banks traditionally have very stovepipe structures, which discourages that kind of innovation. What we're doing now on the ETFmatic side and Ion and Bodino more broadly and banking as a service in general is packaging these individual services into an easily accessible, deployable API model. And that allows our partners like UniPlus to combine those, I like to think of them as Lego building blocks in unique and different ways it removes that sort of friction in taking those things to market. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if you're combining investments and payments together in a frictionless way, that does kind of go across traditional silos. You know, your retail setup and your investment setup tend to be in 
very, very different places, don't they? So, you know, I guess culturally, do you see that that change is sort of something that from a product point of view, it makes sense. But, you know, from a customer point of view, is this something that customers are ready for? Because I guess you could say customers have been trained to compartmentalize all of these things as well. So to Darmish's point about telling his children about these things exist in different worlds. So I guess have you looked at what customers' appetite towards these things is and what are some of the things that you found? Yeah, in our case specifically, and I think fintech also in general, it's all about convenience and flexibility, specifically our target group, millennials. Currently, our average age user is 33 years old, so really also my age, an interesting age to start investing, even so you could argue maybe it's already a few years late. But interestingly, those people value flexibility and convenience, I would say, even more than older generations, right? And making financial product um as easy as it can be to touch the end customer and to help the end customer in different ways. In our way, it's really gaining wealth over the time. It's really, I think, a great answer to those dealers you just described in the past that are more and more breaking up because nowadays you don't like unflexibility anymore and there's actually no reason for having it. And I think, Chad, back when I was young, ages ago, we used to have only one bank and that bank did everything. Then you had the breaking up of those sort of services and individual stovepipe services. You had one bank for the mortgage, you had one bank for your checking account, you had one bank for your brokerages, right? And what we're doing now is enabling new different combinations of how that gets brought back together. And I don't think anyone really wants to think about all of these things in isolation like that. I don't think about my money differently just because it happens to be with one bank or another, right? And it becomes a hassle to mentally keep track of what money do I have where and how do I pay the mortgage from which account and the electricity bill from what account and those kind of things. That kind of integration into services into something that's a lot more client-friendly and actually usable, I think it's a natural evolution of what's happened in the past 10 to 20 years. And interestingly, the data flow is getting way more sophisticated because mm -hmm. within Zelos, data can go from A to B, but not two different silos are not as easy as it can be if you have one solution that integrates different offerings. And in terms of making sense of data to help end customers in a more individual way to start investing, it's really, I think, equate add-on to the end customer by integrating solutions. And I'd just like to give you one example in terms of data we see. Currently, 30% of all our payment volume, the people spend their ETF portfolio, 30% is going to restaurants. And this gives us obviously a very interesting idea in terms of go to market. Maybe at one point in time, we are going to work with big restaurant chains, provide a hassle-free payment within a restaurant. And in the meantime, the money can be invested and not stored, I don't know, on a Starbucks app, for example. So here getting data and understanding user behavior is way more easier if you break up zeros. So you're clearly targeting your frequent spending payments, right? So what stops the charges for doing transactions on the ETF, you know, precluding it? Just so people really understand is you have a card which is connected to your ETF account, which you can use for payments. Yeah. And it doesn't take a day for the money to come out of your investment account. I mean, it's all done as if it was, you know, a Visa or a MasterCard or whatever. It's sort of point of sale 
payment. So everybody's kind of clear that's what's going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like for the end customer that it is at least instantaneously all cleared. But maybe, Johan, you like to tackle how we were able to build it up that actually no trading costs apply because if you like to bring up a payment product on scale and imagine you just would have to pay one pound or one euro for any card transaction that could add up easily a lot of money right but unit plus is not charging here any trading costs and that was also a great add-on or beneficial point why we choose etf medic because i think they have a very smart way to reduce the trading costs to a minimum on our side We've all seen the ability to do larger volume trading and at very low marginal costs. We're sort of taking that to the next level, right? We're able to aggregate the volumes and we're able to net the volumes and that enables us to execute the actual trades in a very, very efficient way. Wow. So, you know, you go to a restaurant, you pay for your food on the card. Hmm. Are you doing that trade in the background then and there, or, you know, is it a sort of batch process? How's it all done? That's being done through us grouping up all of the transactions that take place through the day and, and settling that in one activity, right? And we do that across all of the clients that we have. Okay, so at the end of the day, it's sort of like sweeping everything together. And yeah. and obviously, the system is getting more efficient, more volume is on the platform, right, Johan? So at yeah. one point, we might even think to clear it two or three times per day, once with more volume, the system is getting better. So there's a strong network effect, I like to say, by getting more volume on the platform because there's more netting and more aggregating and it can be done way more often than maybe once per day how it is currently done. But with that, our current average card transaction is 18 euros, so quite small. And imagine you would only just take one euro, that would be a 4% increase for a card transaction right and four percent the stock market is not moving normally not in a few hours so it is really a system that we also from day one build it on with the end customer goals in mind not having him going in wrongdoing or charging him for something he might be not actually aware of that in the back there's a trade happening or more trades happening the cost is actually the level of a card transaction, not of a normal trade. Yeah, the card transaction is normally paid at the interchange fee, right, by the merchant. And interestingly, the interchange fee in Europe is kept for debit cards to 0.2 percentage points. And we give of those 0.2 percent, uh, half of it, 10 basis points, back to the end customer in what we call etf back program. And this is overcompensating even the bid ask spread you normally have for every financial product. Like in our case, the ETFs have an average bid ask spread of about five basis points. So we even overcompensate the bid ask spread with the interchange fee by splitting it with the end customer. So even this is something that the end customer not has to take care of. Dharma and I talk to a lot of people in the fintech industry. It often feels like what they're doing is taking existing processes and sort of adding a bit of polish to them. Yeah. Whereas this sounds truly transformational. So as Dharma said, it's like a whole new product category in its own right. And I think that's where banking as a service fundamentally represents that ability to deconstruct and reconstruct some of the offerings. Right? We can call it embedded finance, but that's really what we're doing. We're embedding some of the different stovepipe services into an integrated offering. This is really clever, Johan, because 
One of the things that I've seen, I do a lot of research on the banking as a service space. And, you know, what we've seen over a period of time is a specialization. You know, there are people that just do payments as a service, that just do, you know, core banking as a service. Now there's just do KYC as a service, right? And then that's all kind of great if you want to pick and mix things. Mm. But actually, the challenge then becomes integrating all this stuff and, you know, having it Mm. from one licensed provider, really, I do. So you kind of brought all of this stuff together now under one roof. I mean, you must be, I guess, the only provider that can give investment payments, banking. Are you going to do corporate banking at some point as well as a service? (laughs) Good question. We're very excited about the breadth of services that we can provide. And we're really, really excited about how companies like Unit Plus are taking our Lego building blocks and doing something that no one's thought of doing before. Right. That's the exciting part, right? Is that, you know, people have taken banking as a service as a way of not having to run a core, but this is actually the new things that you can do, not just reinventing the old past. You've certainly got the opportunity to make what you're doing in the past a lot more efficient, mm-hmm. but what you also fundamentally have is the possibility of doing this in a way that makes financial service ubiquitous and hassle free and without having to think about it. Right, embedding them into the natural place in whatever else you're already doing. I mean, it's the way it kind of should be, is sort of being able to recompile the industry through the service layer, I think is great from a consumer point of view. Mm. And it's really interesting what you're talking about, because from a data point of view, as you understand more about what your consumers and customers want, then you can absolutely extend out the proposition. Exactly. And I just make you an easy example. Also through open banking, user gave us a consent. And it is actually weird to think about that a person never invested has to answer questions. How are you feeling if the stock market drops 10%? He or she has to give an answer, but he never experienced it, right? So actually, this kind of questions maybe might from a regulatory perspective, but from a logical perspective, not make so much sense. But if you evaluate or analyze the actual bank transfer data, for example, I have an insurance for, I don't know if my house getting burned or something like that, you know, this person is more risk averse than a person without the insurance. So here you can really help to make also more tailor-made portfolios at one point in time, because investing at the end is all about a feel-good factor. If the person feels good, he or she stays right with the portfolio and the investment proposition. And I think this is also for the future a huge aspect in terms of how you can leverage open banking, for example, more in a customer-centric way than it currently is used for at least wealth management services. When did you start the company, Fabian? In October 2020. So you started October 2020. When did you launch the product? One and a half years later, so in May for iOS and in July for Android. So quite fresh, but so far a very good journey. I mean, this is the nice thing about banking as a service, especially when you take it from somebody like Aon as opposed to a tech vendor, right? You would have spent more time than that just getting the banking license, right? let alone having to build the stuff yourself. So I think this is a super smart way of doing what you've done, which is not just replacing an existing customer service that some of the Neos have done, but actually solving a real customer problem in a new way. Yeah, it's brilliant. I want to know, when are we going to get Unit Plus in, in the, the UK? UK? Yes. <laughs> when can I get my kids I mean, on this? <laughs> all our structural differences aside, which we won't go into, the question is, 
are your plans to go beyond Germany? Are you going to scale up across Europe as a proposition? What are the plans for scaling up Unit Plus? So in terms of international expansion, definitely there are countries that we find more interesting, others less. And for example, obviously, when you think also about product zeitgeist fit, how it is nicely always defined as a startup scene, inflation is obviously... Currently, we have 10% roughly, right? In the last 60 years, mostly not more sense to pay with productive capital, fractional Apple, BMW, Adidas shares than now because the money is not just inflationary sitting on your bank account anymore, leaving the stock market ups and downs beside, right? Having it productively invested as long as it is not needed. For example, in Poland, we currently have 15% inflation. So that could be a very interesting country where our value proposition of helping people invest and starting to hedge against inflation in a very seamless way makes a lot of sense. UK is obviously in terms of the depthness of the capital market an interesting country. But currently, since we just started in Germany a few weeks ago, we like to first make our homework here in the country. And also, for example, Apple Pay is currently not yet embedded in unit. But that is something everybody is requesting. We will have it in a few weeks also. Since Ion Bank is here, but they know quite quite strong in terms of the technical integration. But those are things that need to come step after step in terms of geographical expansion and in terms of scaling within the country. I already mentioned finding out where actually the end customer on a daily touch point is, and they are not in bank branches, but they are maybe in restaurants or shopping in their favorite shopping center or their favorite brand. And here, using our payment capabilities to get the reach the brand already has in terms of the loyal customer base will be our, so to say, blue ocean in terms of how you reach people that might not think about investing at first hand, but going through the more payment angle here to start letting them think about in the meantime, you actually could have your money invested on the short or long term. In the UK, for instance, we have some of the neobanks and what we've seen is a trend towards people using neobanks for day-to-day spending. And I guess that's probably the same across Europe, that neobanks offer better interfaces and things like that. Yeah. Better interfaces, better client experiences and better services. Yeah. To actually bring in something which helps make money and hedge, as you say, just feels like such a no-brainer. But obviously... My expertise is in the user experience Mm. and making sure that that Mm. is as clean and as simple and straightforward as possible. I mean, have there been any kind of challenges that you've faced around the user experience and getting people to understand the proposition? What role does marketing play in terms of getting people to understand? This is a sort of new thing, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. I think positioning is very important. And I always like to answer the best education you can give to end customer is the product itself. To build up a product that is in the long term beneficial for the end customer, not trick him or her into any wrongdoing. For example, I'm not the biggest fan of this neo brokerage kind of industry because they make mostly money by letting people trade. And yeah. trading might be not the best beneficial long term idea of realizing wealth on the stock market so we like to build up a product and that's also what you can see within the portfolios very well diversified different asset classes the more open banking features embedded that make sure that the person invests in the best case an optimal amount so here the education is coming from the product itself 
And then on the other side, the good part about Union Plus is not everybody has a custody account yet. In Germany, one out of four people. But every German, at least in our target group, has 2.5 bank accounts. So combining something, at least the flexibility known from a bank account in terms of payment capabilities with something that is a bit more uncommon, a custody account, is really where we see not only a lot of a huge stretch in terms of customer interest, but also in terms of how they actually understand it. And then at the end, there's also a self-educational process embedded within Unit Plus when you pay or don't pay with it. It's actually a very interesting journey to start investing more over the long term. That's what we are interested in, a wallet share expansion from the whole unused money laying on any bank account and getting it to Unit Plus. I was going to just ask about the proposition development. The more you move into the investment side, I guess the better it is. So you get share of wallet there. So it sounds like you've got fairly firm plans around that or thoughts around that. Yeah, definitely. Actually, the best feedback I got in the last months was Fabian. I have the feeling I start to invest more because I can tap the liquidity whenever I like to, but I'm feeling more secure in the meantime. So this kind of wallet share expansion, because as I mentioned, we really see us as a substitution to overnight bank or deposit accounts is really something because our revenue stream is mostly tied to assets under management fees, what we feel are very interested in and seeing the customer, even so that the payment capabilities are fairly and nicely used, just gets this wallet share expansion is really something what we feel very encouraged uh, first weeks of being live. Can I ask, Johan, is there anything you can say about the technology that's made this possible? Why hasn't other people done this before? Are you doing something different yourself with the technology? You know, is there a secret source to this? Part of what makes this possible for us is that we control the entire technology stack. Very often companies that try to do this, I think you mentioned that earlier, they put new polish on old ways of doing it. We've really looked at how can we incorporate all of the processes that are involved in managing investments. and. As we're a bank, we can do everything. We act as the custodian, we act as the broker, we act as the investment manager, all of that under one umbrella, running on the technology that we've developed ourselves and with a very clearly defined API, which really streamlines the work involved in the implementation and the deployment with their partners. It's pre-packaged and we are talking about expansion plans earlier of Unit Plus, but on our side, we are up and running with partners from Spain in the south up through Belgium, Poland, and as well as in Germany. So the fact that we've done this over and over again makes it so much easier and more streamlined to actually deploy new combinations right? and to support that kind of innovation that UniPlus is representing here. Fantastic. Look, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's so refreshing to hear about not only the underlying technology, but also the customer proposition, which is actually new and different, right? And has challenged normal ways of thinking about, you know, both investments and accounts, right? Yeah. This is what we expect from banks, but it's good that somebody's lighting the way for innovation, real product innovation, right? This is fantastic. I completely agree. I think it's very exciting to see something which is new. One final question. Fabian, why did you name your portfolio strategies after mountains? Yeah, that's, that's... Is that because you, you want to climb Mount Everest? 
I've personally been of two of the four mountains, but oh, I don't okay. know which ones yet. But interestingly, it's easy to understand how high they are, a bit more risky they are. And then it was just also our sustainability approach, actually also our bank card is recycled plastic and so on. So we really like the cohesive story also about our sustainability aspects here. And then they are easily recognized. We will have some more difficulties if we add four more portfolios, because I think the mountains that are the most well-known are now gone. Maybe we will come up with a different kind of uh, name <laughs> pattern for the next one. But those are actually, we got a positive feedback even about the names <laughs> interestingly that's brilliant well listen thank you so much for joining us we really do appreciate it it's been a fabulous conversation we really look forward to sort of seeing how the unit plus proposition evolves and obviously we're very keen to see what happens in terms of etf matic as it rolls out across europe so thank you so much fantastic thanks for having us thanks for having us Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Dan Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.